is our last Sunday of this fall series called Centered, Why We Worship. And today we're gonna talk about worshiping from two places. We could either worship from a place of judgment or we worship from a place of belonging. There's really only two um, foundations from which to worship God. Now, uh, I know from my experience growing up, there was a lot of judgment in the teaching that I was receiving at church. God is holy, God is sinless, he is perfect, I am sinful, um, and I'm separated from God as a result. So my approach to God through prayer or even through singing was, God, you are so far above me and so far beyond me and so perfect, and I am feeling guilt and shame. And so a lot of my early worship of God was from a place of judgment. And uh, it took a lot of time to get to a place of belonging. And I'm wondering if you guys had the same kind of a, of a journey. Um, I had this weird thing of knowing that God was good, but also fearing that my understanding of free will, of if the Lord presented options, I was just paralyzed in panic and anxiety about choosing because one was God's will and one wasn't. And if I chose the wrong one, then I was out of God's will and it's going to take a long road to get back to the will of God. Um, and it was just crippling. It was, it was this anxiety and fearful experience of whenever big, large life decisions were placed in front of me until my husband was like, I think that you're not really understanding the will of God. He's, he can give you options and you can still be within his will. And there could be multiple good options. Oh, and it, just, it, it took, it, I, I knew, but I couldn't. Curse if you picked the wrong one. Yeah, yes, I was yes. cursed, yes. And well, I, there was a lot it, of it was, the, yes. the 1990s theology was finding God's will, discerning God's yes. will. I mean, books and sermons, and, yes. and that left you with the impression that, wow, if I choose something that's not in God's will, I am out. really a mess. Yes. <laughs> I'm out, yes. right, exactly. Oh, yes. Well, thank God for spouses. My spouse squares me away multiple times a day, yeah. so uh, that's okay. good. Yeah, Absolutely. they're cool. I like that. <laughs> uh, for me, I, my journey kind of started when I was really young, and I don't really remember the first time, you know, that I heard about Jesus. I just know that, you know, I, I, I'm guessing that my dad dropped us off at a VBS somewhere, and my dad was, like, kind of pastoring, you know, throughout my childhood here and there, and so just either within the home or, you know, at VBS or preschool or something, I learned about this, and um, I just was, had a very dysfunctional childhood, and I just would pray. I would just lay in bed at night, and I would just pray to God because I just felt just this overwhelming comfort and peace by him. And so just like this fear and this loneliness that I had was just gone when I would just pray. And I didn't have any theology. I just was told that there was this God and that he loved you and that you could pray to him. And that's what I did. And so that's kind of where my, my journey with God started. And then as you kind of grow older, you start to learn and be taught, you know, theology and right and wrong and all of these things and that you have to live this certain way in order for God to love you. And so then I became, you know, it was very, in my day, it was very moral behavior based was your relationship with God. And so you know, I was a good kid and I wanted to please God and I wanted to please the leaders and my parents and all these things. But it's like, it's just this impossible thing that you're on because you do just feel like God's always watching and, you know, oh no, I made a mistake. And it's just that asking God to forgive you every night before bed, you know, just in case something happens. And then I, you know, just like confessing every sin and then the ones, I don't know, there's some I don't know about. Um, I confess those too. And so, you know, just this like Fear fear. fear. Yeah, yeah. And ironically, it's like that, that the more like head knowledge that I was taught about that was like, it was kind of getting in the way of this like peace and comfort I already had from his presence. And so then I had to kind of reconcile like what is true. And eventually I just got to the end of my rope. It was, you know, much later in my life. I was an adult, but I was just said, I'm done. I literally can't, I cannot 
And that's the thing about it. It's like a trick, right? We cannot live this way that we, that religion says you must live in order for God to love you. And so I just kind of walked away from that and then just felt that belonging, felt that place of worship, felt God. And back to that, that childhood feeling of just his presence and his comfort, um, because his presence has always been a comfort for me. And so I'm just thankful for, for that. So you kind of started with that childlike feeling of belonging to God, and then sort of the, the religious world brought you to a place, now I feel judged by God that I used to feel embraced by, but thankfully through, you know, life circumstances and maybe what could have been a deconstruction, I've gone through something similar, where you now get back to that simplicity that I am deeply loved by God and embraced by God, and that's pretty cool. So, Dell, what's been your experience? Yeah, well, I'm very grateful to have grown up here at Rancho in a grace-based church, so I never really was in a place where I was worshiping in a place of judgment or fear. I was always worshiping as a response to God's goodness, and um, going to Rancho School, I learned the definition of grace is undeserved favor from God, and that comes from a place of love. So that's where I've always been able to worship from, and I think it's such a, good, a great gift because not everybody gets that experience. Well, I so appreciate you saying that, and, and I didn't know you were going to say that until earlier <laughs> this morning, but really that's the goal, right, of, of being in a grace-based church is not just for those of us who might have grown up in religion and might have grown up with a sense of judgment that needs to be sort of redefined, and we'll talk about that a little bit later today, but to have our kids grow up in a place of pure grace and a feeling of pure belonging, always belonging in our homes, in our church, and with God. That's really a cool thing. So as we talk about, you know, this deconstruction, a lot of younger generations are saying, I don't understand what you're talking about because I wasn't raised in the era that we were kind of raised in. Uh, and, and so that's a great gift for you and generations uh, to come. Uh, Dion, you've got a, a perspective as well, just growing up, you know, with your, in your background and in, in the yeah. Church of God in Christ? Yes, in the Church of God in Christ. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, we had a balance of, like, understanding that, yes, God will judge you, Yes, God wants things. He wants you to live a certain lifestyle, but also God is father. And so from us, from our perspective, um, uh, and I I find this to be pretty consistent throughout the church, uh, the black church, is that God is like, we know him as as a judge, but we also know him as as, as love. And so it was more so like the father aspect being put on like uh, parents love you, but they correct you. And it was more like a reverential kind of love. And so for me, I didn't grow up thinking like, God didn't love me, but I did grow up thinking God knew everything. He saw everything and I wanted to please him. And so that's, that was the balance of like, oh shoot, God is going to know, you know, he knows my thoughts. Like everyone was talking about last Sunday, like <laughs> when I found out God knew my thoughts, I was like, uh oh, you know, <laughs> and I, right. And so I'm like, you know, it, that for me, I'm like, I'd rather the judgment of God than the judgment of humans because God is merciful and humans, they can, they just go. And so, so for me, no I'm like, yeah, there's no mercy there. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we have to be taught that mercy. And so for me, I grew up in that, in that sense of like having a healthy relationship with the judgment of God and also belonging. So but that, and that judgment of God is in the context of family, which is what I really love about what you've said is that balance comes when you think of God in the context of family. So he's not, you know, distant and ominous and ready to pounce on you like a judge who's condemning you from a distance. But he's like a, a father who says, you know, I want you to live in a good way for you. And I want you to live in a way that's kind to others. And so every once in a while, I'm going to, you know, need to get you squared away here. And that's not a place of condemnation. There is a judgment there, but it's a judgment in the context of a familial belonging. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. So we're going to have a, a, do a song right now called Good Grace. And that's not just about God's grace to us, but a community that's built on God's grace. 
Yeah, so one of the things about worshiping from a place of judgment or belonging is that however we view God's relationship and we're in relationship with God, that's how we treat one another. And so that's the second part of, of the whole gospel, right? It's like us and God love God, love each other. And so if, if this love is very con- condemning and judgmental and fear-based because I have to act and do the same, you know, the right way, then that is exactly how my relationship to you is going to be. It's going to be you better do this, you better, you know, be, do this right and this right and this right because I'm under that as well. And I think that that is very common in a lot of churches that view that scripturally that, you know, view God that way. And they're just out to morally police, not only their church, but the world. Right. right? And that's not what we're called to do. But when we can worship and just feel that sense of belonging, that peace, that comfort, God's love, God's grace, no matter what, um, like Del was talking about, that just, then that's how we are in community with people. And so I no longer, it's actually extremely freeing. Oh, absolutely. Because I no longer have to fix you. Like, right. I can just accept you. That's a full-time like, job. It's a full-time <laughs> job. But And I'm empowered by God's spirit and presence to do that. And it's so freeing to not have to look at this world and get so frustrated with how people are living their lives. And I can literally just see them as a human being, as God calls me, love God, love each other. And I just feel like it's a, it's hu- it's a huge motivation. And you were talking about parenting too. It's that same thing. If I'm under this judgment, fear base of God, then heck, my kids are going to be too, and they better not act up, and they better not embarrass me, and they better not whatever, which is never going to happen, but (laughs) if I'm fully just in living in God's grace, and that's that grace-based parenting of just like, you know what? I just love you and accept you for all your mistakes too, and we're going to take this journey together. I'm going to correct you because I love you, but you know, I love you unconditionally. Well, let's sing this song together, and uh, why don't we stand, and it's called Good Grace, and it's really about building a community of grace together and uh, bending that out to this world. Let's sing it. Your heart 
right, it's time for What's Going On at Rancho. My name is Alex. If you don't know me, I'm up here with Megan, our next generation pastor. Yes. So you're switching hats right now. Yep. Worship leader worship. over there. Yep. Next generation well, pastor. We have our right high here. schoolers in the room. So high school, what's same. up? Yes. We're all just having worship together. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But before okay. we do, we just want to say welcome to everyone and anyone who's here with us, whether you're here in the room, whether you're online, love to see that. Uh, if you are new, if maybe you've been coming for a couple weeks or maybe it's your first time today, maybe you're new online, you can always text the word new to our number 951-379-3795. Text anytime you like, but if you text this morning, we'll text you right back. And you can take that text to our welcome center where we'd love to answer any questions you have, connect with you. And give you one of these awesome, super cool, super cool Cup. tumblers, which I just love that it says "Live Free, Do Good" because we talk about that yeah. every week here, and it's just a great reminder. Great reminder. As you can take it home with you, share it with the community. So that's what's going on there. Yes, and also if you have any questions about anything we talked about, we talked about the women's dessert earlier coming up this Saturday, or youth group, or any of the stuff we're going to talk about, you can email info at rancho.tv, and they'll answer your questions or forward you on to someone who will. That's right. And if you'd like to learn more about giving here at Rancho, I was just thinking we don't pass the plate, but so yeah. many people are faithful and are partners Absolutely. with us in what we are doing, advancing the cause of Christ through mercy, justice, and love. And you give every week or every month or special times when we ask. And so we're so thankful for that. Yep. And one of the things we're going to put out there for the next couple of weeks is something really cool. We partner with Community Mission of Hope, which you should hear about if you come to yes. Rancho. And uh, we are going to do gift cards for young people and for families. And Love it. Tell me a little bit about why we do that specifically for young people. Yeah, so a lot, there's a lot of toy drives. This, this town is very generous. And so what we started noticing was for the teenagers, um, when they would go and pick a gift or when they were assigned a gift, it would always be like a basketball. Because it's like, it's hard enough to buy, like we have teenagers, it's hard enough to no buy them to as their parents, literally, I have no yes. Clue. Let alone like donate something that they're going to need or use. And so we just kind of give the gift of um, that, you know, just being able to shop for them to their parents. So we give them gift cards and we just say, hey, you know, for their younger kids, they, they're given a gift. But for the older kids, they get to go out and have that dignity and shop for their teenager. And a lot of times it goes to shoes, new, new clothes, you know, things like that. So it really goes a long way for them. So cool. So if you'd like to participate, there's two ways. Uh, outside, we have a Christmas tree. You can go grab one of those cards, scan the QR code, and give a gift card there. Or if you're online maybe and you want to participate, just go to rancho.tv slash giving yep. and choose gift card if you're able. And if you want to participate, we're going to make a big difference in some people's lives this, yep. this Super season. Super easy to do, yeah. Okay, awesome. real quick, we got to get through youth. Yes, youth is like so something next generation, right? Yep. That's what Rancho is all about. If yes. you've If you've been here for a while, if you've looked at our history... It's about the next generation. Yeah. That's kind of like I started a youth group, you started a youth group, Scott started a youth group, yeah. and now you're doing it all over again. And now we're doing Yeah, I'm back. I'm back <laughs> in youth group. So what's going on? So I'm super excited. Um, you know, just I'm a big advocate just for youth in the church, just period. You know, having grown up from the time I was young all the way in through church, youth group was really where I started to take ownership of church, started to deepen my relationship with God, just like Delaney was talking about, you know, learning of God's grace and God's love. I know like Scott, you and I, like you said, we all start there. So I'm a huge advocate if your kids are not connected to get them connected at this age. Um, it's super important, but we just love them. We have like over 20 small group leaders that we have just been meeting and discussing theology and discussing, you know, what books of the Bible we're going to go through and just going deeper in our curriculum and in our, in our small group time. So on Sunday mornings for middle school at 1045, they meet over in the gym. So they get to have a blast playing over there. But then that's where we kind of do like our small group, you know, kind of theology, Bible teaching. Um, for high school, we have 
after service, the first and the third Sundays, they go into that a little bit more um, deeper of a Bible study session. And then Wednesday nights is for both. We have middle and high school here. We do separate them, but we have middle and high school here. And that's just like a night of fun. You know, we have a lot of practical teaching that happens there too, but we just love to just get together. We had Friendsgiving last week. It was awesome. We had some moms cook for us and oh my gosh, it was amazing. So we just get to just play and have and just pour into them. But it's really amazing to see just our leaders and how awesome they are, how much they love our youth and just kind of have it trickle down from there. Yeah, and so you've got a couple events coming up. The first one is a Christmas party just yes. on a Wednesday night, right? Yes, so we're, we're meeting um, the next couple Wednesday nights for youth group, and then we'll take a break for the holidays. So they're more than welcome to join before then. But if they're nervous and they haven't been, our Christmas party is one of our highlights. It's like one of our fun times where we just make a mess and we just have dessert and we just do like the, you know, the, the gift-giving game where you steal and all that stuff. So they bring a gift, $5, and we have a ton of fun. Christmas music, karaoke, all that stuff. So that's Wednesday night, December 14th at 6.30 right here. Um, and then for our young adults, our little bit older, you know, 18 to 30-ish, we're meeting on the first and third Sundays at our home. Uh, my husband and I kind of lead that group. And so, again, if, you've, if you know a young adult or if you are a young adult in that age range and you just feel kind of awkward, it can be awkward coming in when you're new, Christmas party is the best time to come in because we're just all there having fun, potluck, bring a gift, we'll do the steel game. All that stuff. Sounds Fight like a fun. Okay, and then this is the last week to participate in yes. your fundraiser. 50% goes to Kenya. 50% stays right here for our youth. Yep. Great stocking stuffers. Absolutely. And we want to sell out. So you guys have been amazing. Thank you all to those who have bought coffee. We do have some left. Um, and so this has our logo on it. We need to sell out of this today. So stop by. $15 a bag. Good gifts. Great cause. 100% of the proceeds go towards ministries. So, so good. So awesome. good. Hey, help me wrap this up. You ready? Okay, ready. And that's, that's what's, what's going, going on at Rancho. Rancho. Let's welcome up Scott. <laughs> that might have been our worst one ever. That Scott. was terrible. The, the sequence was way off. You guys should practice more. All right. Uh, kind of a really cool thing. Uh, Rancho Christian's got a basketball team that's pretty good, but uh, they defeated Sierra Canyon yesterday, and they're the top 30 team in the country, and we took them down yesterday. So that's pretty cool. We ate Rancho Christian basketball. That's pretty fun. Uh, you're going to want to catch a game this season for sure. It's the high, highest level basketball you'll find in the country. So uh, that's going to be great. All right. So today we are going to um, uh, talk about worship and the foundation upon which we worship. And as we talked about in our earlier discussion, there are two places upon which we worship God. One is from a place of judgment and one is from a place of belonging. And some of you might have you know, related with this idea that God in our minds is this fearful, distant judge. And so that impacts how we worship. Now we worship from a place of fear or guilt or shame. And, uh, and that defines the relationship, right? That defines the relationship. You've heard of DTR, right? Defining the relationship. If you've grown up in a religious household or a religious environment, this is kind of how it normally goes. One, God is perfect, sinless, and holy. Two, you are imperfect, sinful, and unholy. Now the relationship is defined, right? It's a relationship of separation and guilt. You deserve God's judgment now and forever. And a lot of times that gets poured out upon us. You deserve God's judgment. You deserve God's wrath. You deserve, we even kind of threaten people with eternal condemnation, right? And the whole idea then is that there's a separation between you and God and that defines the relationship. You've grown up in a religious household. You've grown up in a religious church. That has defined your relationship with God. We are separate because he is holy and I am sinful. That's the way it is. So what are we gonna do as a result, right? What are we gonna do as a result of this separation? Well, we're taught that we've gotta kinda close that gap. We've gotta close that gap. Now, when I was a, a youngin', so we're talking about you know, the 1980s here, I was taught the acronym ACTS, 
A-C-T-S. This separation has to close, right? I can't be under God's judgment. I can't be under God's condemnation. So what do I do? Well, A is I adore God. From a place of judgment, from a place of separation, God wants me to praise him. God needs me to praise him. So now I'm worshiping from a foundation of judgment. God wants to know that I know he's large and in charge. Then C, confession. And we talked about that a little bit, right? Because there's a separation, because he's holy and I'm sinful, now I have to confess my sins. And I remember as a young person trying to remember all the sins I committed that day or that week. And sometimes that list got pretty long. But I, I need to confess my sin because I have to ask for forgiveness, right? It's a transaction here. I sinned against God. That needs to be forgiven. So I've got to confess that sin. I've got to, you know, show some remorse for that sin. And then here's a religious word. I've got to repent or turn from that sin to close that gap. God wants to know that I know I messed up and to ask for forgiveness. Then there's the, the T, thankfulness, right? God wants to know that I know that he's the source of all things. So God, thank you for everything I have. You're so big and so majestic and so holy and I'm just not worthy. So thank you for every little thing you give me. I appreciate it very, very much. And then we go in for what we really want, which is the S, the supplication, asking for things. No, God, can you do this for me? I really want this. Can you do this for me? And can you do this for my family and this for my friends? And that's the formula of getting God to do what we want him to do. This foundation of judgment this gap between God and us filled with adoration, confession, thankfulness, and supplication. I'm telling you, that whole thing is not good. Just not good. That definition of our relationship with God is not good. It's almost like God is, uh, you know, King Xerxes. Here's a little uh, image from the movie 300. I can't recommend that movie in church, but it's really King Xerxes, he, he's, he's depicted as a god, right? He's a god, and, and underneath this throne are hundreds of, of men, and they have the throne on their back. So there is the god King Xerxes, and there's everyone else who's in fear of Xerxes. He's all-powerful. He is holy, right? And everybody else must bow. I'm going to show you kind of a, a dated image of the throne room of Jesus, right? This is probably painted in the 80s. Let's go back and forth. Let's go back. There's uh, Xerxes. There's Jesus, Xerxes and Jesus. All right. That's how we view God as this distant, perfect, all light judge who's looking at us with condemning eyes and a condemning heart. You have failed. And this discussion just kind of, you know, maybe resonated with you that maybe we'll fail because we make the wrong decision and we're out of God's will or we've sinned against God and now his judgment is upon us. So God is about redefining the relationship and the redefining of that relationship is found very clearly in Ephesians chapter one. Let me read just a couple of verses. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's the relationship with God, redefined. I mean, it says it all. Before he made the world, before the universe was even created, before you and I were created, he chose us. He loves us. And how does he see us? Perfect. Holy and without fault in his eyes. Next verse. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That's the relationship redefined. God wants us to know we are his pleasure. In religious environments, it's like, oh, well, we're failures and we're disappointments. No, God says, you are my pleasure. He says, I, I know when you do things wrong. I get it. 
but I want you to know in my eyes, you're perfect. And I chose you to be a part of my family from the beginning of time. Because it's my pleasure to have you belong to me in this family. Isn't that amazing? It's a whole redefining the relationship. So instead of DTR, it's our DTR, redefining the relationship. And here's kind of how it goes. We are his chosen, dearly loved, adopted children, perfect in his eyes. So I remember when I used to pray, it was, okay, all right, God, I gotta worship you, then I gotta confess my sin, then thank you, and then ask for things. That was the formula in my head because that relationship was defined by judgment. Now the relationship with God is defined by belonging. And so whenever I think about God or pray to God, whenever you think about God or pray to God, whenever you're singing you know, in church or singing in your head, just know the relationship is totally redefined. God is your father. He loves you. He chose you before the foundation of time. He knows all your faults, all your flaws, all your failures. They're all forgiven, all of them. And he embraces you and he says, I just want you to know how much I love you. And in my eyes, you are perfect. You are perfect. That's how God sees us. Redefining that relationship is so incredibly difficult. I just want you to imagine, you know, uh, my, my boys came home for Thanksgiving. Now imagine they followed the the uh, ACTS acronym when they came home to visit dad. And uh, they got out of their car and they said, oh, Father Scott, I praise you for all your righteousness. Your ways are pure and I know that full well. Oh, Father, that's the A. And then the C, the confession. Oh, Father Scott, I have sinned and failed to live up to, to the perfection of the Treadway name. Then there's this, the, the T. I thank you, Father Scott, for all the good things you've bestowed upon me low these many years. And then you know, they, they ask the supplication. And if it is within your good graces, Father Scott, could you please provide me this Thanksgiving meal? I mean, we're laughing. It is laughable. But that's how we're taught to think about God. A relationship of judgment instead of a relationship of belonging, right? No, when our kids come home, it's like, okay, we're talking about life. We're laughing. We're playing Uno. We're playing Spoons. And by the way, I found the perfect way to end the Spoons game. If you want, I'll be right over there at the end. If you wonder how to end the game of Spoons, would you have one spoon and two people? I'll have the answer. It's awesome. Uh, play a round of golf together, lots of food, right? A lot of laughing and more food, a lot of fun and more food. Here's the desserts we had this last week. <laughs> we started with um, cinnamon rolls in the morning, chocolate pie, apple pie, trace le leche cake, and then last night there was a crumble cookie run. How do you have that much sugar in one household? It is Thanksgiving week, right? But this is what you do with family, right? You have fun, you're eating, you're laughing, you're playing. That's what family does. And yes, we know each other's imperfections, absolutely. But we're still family, we still embrace each other, and we still have a good time. What if that was the foundation of our relationship with God? What if that was the very foundation of worship? Not of judgment, but of belonging. How cool would that be, right? How cool would that be? But it is so hard to redefine that relationship. And some might even say it's near impossible to redefine that relationship. Because there is such a thing as a religious brain. Google it. Religious brains are hardwired. This three pounds of jelly in our brains, they, they actually, truly, they, they get hardened around religious thinking because when we're very, very young, and we might have been raised in a religious home with all good intentions, you know, trying to let you know, hey, stay in line because God's watching. Our brains 
harden around that idea. And then you might go to youth group and they're all about, you know, parents are dropping off kids at youth group and uh, make sure youth pastor, uh, you're responsible to make sure my kids don't mess up their lives, right? So here you go. And so a lot of youth ministries, it's here's what God wants. Here's how to live a good life. Here's how to live a pure life. If you don't live a pure life, God's gonna get you. Here's the consequences, right? Threatening kids with condemnation, threatening kids with eternal condemnation that brain starts to harden around these ideas. And I mean literally harden around these ideas. And so when somebody challenges those religious ideas that God is a judge and we are the judged and starting to try to rewire the brain that God is actually father and we belong to him in this beautiful embrace of family and fun and, and enjoyment, our brains can't do it. It takes sometimes months and years, and sometimes it's very difficult. It's called deconstruction, right? It's deconstructing what has been embedded in our brains sometimes for decades. It's so difficult. How do you rewire that? Believe different and worship different. That's all, just believe different and worship different. Believing different is very difficult, and it requires a lot of faith. Faith is accepting something that's really hard to believe. Faith is accepting something that's really hard to believe. If it was easy to believe, we wouldn't call it faith. If you believe that God is your father who embraces you fully and that in his eyes you're perfect, then you're gonna worship from a really healthy place of belonging. But to get there is tough. So I wrote out a little prayer. We're not gonna say it together, but I'm gonna slow down when I read this, which is very difficult for me. I don't do slow. So I'm gonna really try to slow down. And I want this prayer to seep into your soul, especially if you have thought growing up in youth group, even right now, that God is your judge and you are the judge. Let this prayer reshape how you think, how you believe, and rewire your brain. You ready? Here we go. Slow down. God, you are my father, a perfect father. So while you know my flaws, you don't see them. You see me as your child, perfect in your eyes. You know I make mistakes at times, but all that's forgiven. Yet at times, it still feels like I'm not good enough. At times, it still feels like I'm judged. At times, it still feels like I disappoint you. At times, it still feels like I should be a better person than I am. So I feel guilty and ashamed and separated from you at times. So God, my Father, Help me to overcome these feelings by believing what seems impossible to believe, that nothing separates me from you, that you look at me with pride in your heart, that you are always for me, and that in your heart, I am your perfect child. If this prayer or similar prayers can be a part of your worship where you are forcing in this redefined relationship that God is Father and I belong. God is Father and he looks at me as perfect. God is Father and he's proud of me even though he knows the mistakes I've made and yes, he wants me to make good choices for my benefit and the benefit of people around me. He looks at my progress and he's patient with me and he's cheering me on, always, always embracing me fully in love. Redefine that relationship. I'm gonna read again those two verses in Ephesians chapter one and let's get, let this just soak into our souls. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. We are God's pleasure. But then look at the next verse. 
That's about believing differently. Now, how do we worship differently? So we praise God, verse six, for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. How do we change our worship? From a place of grace, not a place of judgment, but a place of grace. So God calls us to worship differently. Don't worship in fear, don't worship in guilt, don't worship in shame, don't worship as though there's some separation between you and God. He is near, he is right there with you. He has embraced you, you're perfect in his eyes and he wants you to know that. That's how we worship. Let me go one step further. Worship is not for God's benefit. In fact, God doesn't need our worship and might not even want our worship. God doesn't need our worship and might not even want our worship. First of all, if God needs anything, he's not God. By definition, God is all sufficient, right? By definition, God has no needs. So God does not need our worship. It's not like God is you know, up there on Saturday night going, oh, I can't wait for Sunday. I need me some, some worship. I need people to praise me. You know, I go, come on, you're laughing. It is laughable that God somehow needs our worship. He doesn't need our worship. He's all sufficient. I don't even think he wants our worship. It's not like God has, you know, some, some desire for us to praise him. I mean, come on, what is, what is that worth to him, right? He doesn't want our worship. In fact, he says so in Hosea 6.6. 6. The nation of Israel was, was trying to please God by all their religious worship services and going to temples and all their songs and their offerings and all of the stuff, right? And their obedience, they're trying to walk the acts thing, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. They're trying to do that, right? And God's like, I don't even want it. I, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want offerings. It's like, I don't even want this. What I want is for you to know my love for you and what I want is for you to love each other. He doesn't need worship and he doesn't want worship. So why do we worship and why do we spend a whole month on it? Because worship is for our benefit. We worship God for our benefit. God doesn't need it, God doesn't want it. But we need worship and we should want worship, not for us, but for God. Worship is for our benefit. It does a few things that are very important to us. Worship invites us to put first things first, right? Worship invites us to put first things first. When we worship God because of his grace, from a foundation of belonging, because of his grace, we thank him for his love for us, that puts everything in its right place. It centers us, right? It centers us because if we're not worshiping God, who are we worshiping? the person with two thumbs. If we don't worship God, we are worshiping ourselves. We're lifting up ourselves. But instead, if we lift up God and lift up his love from a foundation of belonging in a whole culture of grace, everything is centered around the grace of God and the love of God. That means I can bend that grace out to the people around me, right? Worship invites us to put first things first. Worship invites us to enjoy God. C.S. Lewis says, worship is an act of joy. It is an act of pleasure. We praise what we enjoy. Did you get that? We praise what we enjoy. I enjoy being married to that woman over there, right? And so I hope I praise her quite a bit and I brag about her quite a bit, right? I enjoy this person and so I praise this person. I enjoy my kids, right? Well, the two of them that are here today. I enjoy my kids, right? And so we praise what we enjoy and so we can talk about our kids. You can't go half an hour in Temecula without hearing people kid bragging. It's like, yeah, your kid walks on water, fantastic. But 
We praise what we enjoy. We enjoy a movie, we praise it. We enjoy a sports team, we praise it, right? That's just what we do. So praise is just a matter of expressing a, a pleasure around God's grace and love for us. That's really all it is. God doesn't need it, God doesn't want it, but it's to our benefit to honor him. It's a pleasure to honor him. And then finally, worship invites us to create a community of love. Worship invites us to create a community of love. Worship isn't just about my relationship with God. It's about each other. And so when we gather on Sunday, it's not like God, I oh, can't wait to be praised on Sunday, but no, when we gather here together, we're worshiping God together, and that means we are centered, not just as individuals, but we're centered as a community. All of us together enjoying God's grace. All of us together enjoying God's love. All of us together enjoying the reality that we are dearly loved, adopted, perfect sons and daughters of God, and together that creates a wonderful community of love. And so we can accept each other and we can embrace each other and we can accept the world around us and embrace the world around us and we can show the love of Jesus to each other and throughout the world. Jesus himself defined a community based on love. And he did that at the, at the Last Supper. And you have your communion cups with you, you can take those out. Some have the bread at the top. There's a little thin plastic deal. Some have the bread at the bottom. I prefer the model with the bread at the bottom. I'll look forward to your vote. But take out the bread and try to imagine Jesus spending his last meal with his disciples. And he says, this community is defined by love. If you don't have the communion elements, just raise your hand and they'll, they'll toss them to you. Take the bread. And Jesus at the last supper said, this bread is a reminder of my love for you. He says, I'm about to go to the cross and my body will be broken. Jesus was killed. He was executed because of the message of God's grace. The people in power wanted him done because he was gathering such a huge community of love and grace that he was threatening the people in power and so they put him to death. And so he took that bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of him. And then Jesus took the wine of that Passover meal and he said, this is a symbol of my blood that is shed for you. This message of grace is costing me my life. I'll be arrested and tried and put to death in the morning. But let this symbol show you throughout the ages how much I love you. Take that and drink it in remembrance of Christ. This communion that we just shared together is a worship moment where all of us are together in God's grace. All of us together belong to God and together we belong to each other. We're gonna close uh, this series with something that's a little bit different. It's actually quite different. Um, I'm gonna show you how a worship song was built. It's a worship song that uh, I have to say is, you know, well, I, at least the most meaningful worship song in my life it, because it was written here at Rancho uh, by Evan uh, Rudisill. I would be interviewing Evan right now, but Evan is with family in Georgia, mourning Georgia Tech loss yesterday, which was inevitable. But uh, he's with his family in Georgia. He wrote a song with some help from uh, our worship team called Hello Grace. Hello Grace was the anthem at Rancho for years when we finally just kind of said it, that it is all about God's grace, that it is not from a paradigm of judge and judged, 
It is father and it is declared adopted perfect sons and daughters of God. We just said it as boldly as we've ever said it. It was during a worship uh, series called Hello Grace and Evan wrote a song called Hello Grace and I want you to see how that song came together. It's a long video, so I have to warn you, we've never shown a nine minute video in church. It's nine minutes, so for those of you who are watching, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. And then after that video is done, we're gonna quickly sing that song together as our anthem being awakened to God's grace. So I hope you enjoy this video. It is a little on the long side. My sincere apologies, but you'll dig it. Take a look. All right, so I am here with Evan. You know Evan. He's just not actually with us. And so you're in, yeah. where are you right now? I'm, I'm in Georgia right, oh, right now. Right now. This yes. is weird. Yeah, currently. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to talk about the song that we're going to end this series with. It's a song called Hello, Grace. And from the beginning of this series about worship, I had to have this song because right. you actually wrote the song. Yes. And uh, it was a collaborative effort with our worship team, but right. I think you were the lead behind it. And it was really during the time of this church's Grace Awakening. Yeah. And so the song is called what? The song is called Hello, Grace. We're actually doing a um, series at the time called Hello, Grace. That's right. We and that's, that's kind of how the, the name of the song was, right. was birthed. So. So that series, as I recall, was really when Rancho was declaring to the world, this is a thoroughly grace-based church, and right. that our relationship with God and our worship of God is entirely based on His grace, what He has done for us, that we offer nothing to Him right. uh, other than our gratitude for mm -hmm. all that He's given to us. Forgive, for, he's forgiven us. He's considered us His son, His daughter, a full embrace by His grace. And that's why we get to live free. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so this song was really the anthem of Rancho for years, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's really cool because, it, you know, we were given assignments, basically, to write from different perspectives of yeah. people in the church. Um, and when we got our deal, the number one thing that we thought of is there's people who feel outside. They should feel inside, but they feel outside. Um, and, and it was almost this idea of being outside of a house and it's raining and you're cold and this house is all warm and lit up and bright and you're just wanting to be in there. You're wanting to be like inside this house if there's anything I could do to get in this. And then um, Hello Grace is coming to the realization uh, of this house was built for me. This, is, this was meant for me. I can just walk through the front door. There is no thing that I need to do to prove myself. I can just go in. It's, it's for me. Yeah. That's cool. Well, let's talk yeah. about that feeling of being on the outside. Yeah. And a lot of people feel that about their relationship with God. Right. You know, they've been taught God is he's holy and he's perfect. And well, we're not holy and we're not perfect. And so we're ashamed and we're condemned. And that creates a certain feeling, not just about God, but about his church. Like, yeah. I'm not really welcomed in a relationship with God or I'm not really welcomed into church because I'm just not as good of a person as God wants me to be yeah, or as yeah. the church wants, wants me to be. Right. And so that's really how the song starts, right? So right. get your guitar. Let's do this. You're gonna sing to me. Yes. Hope <laughs> <laughs> you like us. it. It's gonna be really <laughs> awkward. But the, the, the verses of this song really get you to feel what it's like to be on the outside. So right. lead us through that. Yes. Um, and so obviously, the, musically, we kind of have like a, a back and forth. There's a, this feeling of being on the outside and then what, what God is doing in that exact moment. Okay. Um, and so it, the feel goes back and forth until you come to that realization. So the verses. Uh, when I feel unworthy Still you pursue me Hidden in my shame Still you call me by my name 
when I feel lonely Your love surrounds me Hidden in my fear Still you meet me here Alright, so that's cool. So when we feel lonely, those are the minor keys that give you gives you a real right. kind of sense of the feels of that, right? Right, right. But then God makes a promise, you know, that I'm pursuing you, and yes. then we get to a major key and we're lifted up, right? Right, right, right. And and the verses kind of do that. It, it's it's what it feels like to be on the outside, but God's inviting you actually to yes. be on the inside, experience That's right. His That's warmth right. and His embrace. And a church community should be doing the same thing. I know you exactly. might feel you know the guilt and the shame of some choices you've made, and maybe you think you should be further along in life, but you're not. Still, God pursues you. He welcomes you in. We as a right. church pursue you and welcome you in. Then it goes from the chorus to the uh, pre-chorus. Pre-chorus, yes. Which is kind of cool that yes. there's a pre-chorus. -pre <laughs> you don't see that a lot. But I love, I love the pre-chorus. And tell us about the, the pre-chorus part. Yeah, so, um, so it, again, this is, this is kind of the same kind of deal where it's, I'm coming to the realization. Now I've, I've made kind of these observations. This is where I'm down, and I still see that you're pursuing me, or if I'm, I'm, I'm just riddled with fear, and there's still this love that is seeking after me. When you get to the pre-course, it's almost like, I, now I'm going to declare these things. Right. You know, I've fallen, and you pick me up, and I, now I'm coming to the realization that this is actually happening. So this is the part of life when you think, it, could this be? Yes, right? yes. Could it be true? Exactly. Right? So lead us through that pre-course. I fall, you pick me up. When I'm empty, you fill my cup. From the outside, looking in, you invite me as your friend. All right, stop, stop, stop. All right. That was awesome. I get like goosebumps on this song. <laughs> so, because you can feel the journey there, right? Right. Outside, I am looking in, and then that final declaration before the chorus is, is you invite me as your friend. As your friend, yeah. That's now the defining relationship. I'm embracing it. I believe it. That's right, yeah. I've received it. It's almost like that. that is the hello grace. That's the, yeah, you're awakening there. Yeah. yeah. Eyes are open. This God that I used to feel distant from, right. he's friend. Yeah. This church that I used to feel, I don't know, do I have to pretend? Am I good enough? We're friends. Right. And I'm walking right through that door. Yeah, And absolutely. I'm going to live this thing out. Absolutely. That's absolutely. cool. And then the chorus, right? The chorus is, I'm awakened now and I'm yes. living into this reality right. of God's grace. Exactly. So tell us about exactly. the chorus. So uh, the chorus is that I, I'm, I've walked through the door. This is it. This is when I've, start, I've, like, I've declared these things. I, I, I observed them. And then I started to kind of say, what would it be like if I believed them? Mm -hmm. yep. This is me fully believing. This is the, the awakening to like... Yeah, this is this is the house that was built for me. That's cool. Yeah, so awesome. um, lead us through. I might play drums on the stool. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Here I stand, captivated by your great love. In this place, secure in what you've already done. I'm alive in you, and I'm dead to my past. Hello, So cool, so cool. <laughs> yes, fun song. <laughs> now, uh, 
any worship song worth, worth its salt has a bridge. Yes. <laughs> yes. And for those of you who aren't really familiar with kind of music structure or song structure, this might be a little education as well. That there are various parts of the song for various reasons. And the bridge is like the declaration. That's right. It's like the anthem of mm. our lives. Right. Right. So tell us about the bridge of this song in particular. Yeah, so this is, it's, it's more of like a, I've, you've gone through the journey, right? And then now you're in this chorus where you're saying like, okay, I'm, I'm believing these mm -hmm. things. Yep. And then what happens now that I have the belief? It's not just now I have belief and we're good. It's I have belief and now I get to walk this out. In failure, in victory, I'm secure. I, this, is, this is who you are, and this is who you've shown me that you are, and this is now who I believe you to be. And so it's, uh, and then the whole reason for all of this, um, uh, the gift that you've given, uh, given us of grace, the whole reason that we even have this is because you have already died. Mm -hmm. It's not a, I hope that God will forgive me for X, Y, and Z. He is already the, the, the cross is done, the, the, the work is finished, and now we're coming to that realization that there's nothing I can do to separate me from this love, like yeah. this is it. So No matter what. Yeah, no matter what, that's, that's the hard bridge. people. That's the hard part that people have of getting their heads around true grace. Right, right. It doesn't matter what I have done and doing or will do, God's grace is there, as you say often and rightfully so because of the finished work of the cross. The cross was God's statement for all time, all history, that you are perfect, right. you are forgiven, right. you are mine, you, you are welcome in my house because you're my child, you're my friend, and, and this is where we belong. And the cool part about worship, and this is a series about worship, right. is songs like this center us on God's grace. Right. And, and, and so no matter what we're feeling, like right here and right now, what we're feeling right now, yeah. this worship song centers us on God's grace and we can feel good and we can feel embraced, we can feel um, free from guilt and shame, yeah, and yeah. we can live into the victory of this bridge, which you're about to, That's right. to sing. Right, <laughs> which we're so going to sing right now. Let's yeah. do it. So here we go. In failure, in victory, I am secure in you. Your love is unending, no matter what I do. My journey, imperfect, riddled with all its flaws. You died to cover it <laughs> we got the idea. That's yes, awesome. Yes, that's it. <laughs> well, and you get to see how the bridge translates, you know, right. into the and back into the the, the the chorus, which really anchors us. Yeah. And by the way, nice singing. That was a high range there for just you and there. I hanging out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. That's right. So hey, anyway, appreciate it. Evan. We are so happy to have you as our worship leader, as our friend, and to write songs like this, uh, worship songs to God that embrace His grace. Just can't thank you enough, buddy. Yeah. Hope you're having a good time oh, in, uh, in Georgia. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, Georgia, man. <laughs> we're probably playing we're probably playing cornhole right now. As it should be. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Still you call
This series on worship is by a full embrace of God's grace who fully embraces us right where we're at. And that's how we get to live free and then do good, all motivated by love, love that God has for us and the love that we have for the people around us. Uh, we have a couple things outside, uh, women's Christmas desserts. There's still a few tables available, uh, coffee to support our youth group and uh, our uh, Christian school in Kenya. And next Sunday is the official start of Christmas. We start the Christmas series called Christmas Wonder. Look forward to having you back on Sunday. God bless you. Thank you, team. Appreciate it very much.